take my responsibilities as a parent seriously. I don't skin the animal. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. You know, that's what you got to do. It's hot out here for a pimp. We got this uh, big fat dog in today, and it ran me over. It's that big fat pit bull. And, uh, oh, hey, Jax is chomping in the background. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. It's that big fat pit bull about barreled me over and uh, then rolled over on its back for belly scratches after about taking my fucking head off. And it's like, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. And that's, <laughs> that song has never fit a dog's personality more than it fit this 100-pound pit bull. <sighs> Too bad it's not a pug. You could do pug life. Pug life. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made. Presenting another episode edition of Two 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 Star 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 Two Star Tuesday. I'm fucking excited. I'm pumped. You excited? I wrote a lot of really nice things. Oh, you got that. You know what else is really nice? The beautiful, the effervescent Kristen Pennington. And my name's Brett Bloom. That's the first time I've ever done it in that order. <laughs> <laughs> We're here today, gathered around this... Makeshift studio. This, no, this glorious oak table okay. in a remote location in the mountains <laughs> that is definitely not our two-seat kitchen table that we have to pull into the middle of the living room to discuss. I didn't write the name down in the film. Did you really not? He's out there. What year was it? 2018. There we go. Normally it's all up on the top of, our, <laughs> on the top of my page. And I was like, ah, no! To discuss March 3rd! Whatever this fucking movie is. So what are we discussing today? He's out there. What year was it? 2018. And it got a 5.2 on IMDb. It got a 43% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 31% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. How do you feel that floats? Uh, Does that float your boats? Uh, yeah, I guess, maybe. Are you serious? <laughs> I feel like it's a little high, honestly. It's very high. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've made we made a promise on the last episode that all of our episodes from here on out, like the two stars, are gonna aim to be like our bye bye man review. And then we, we, we did this to ourselves. So we're gonna still try to be really positive. I'd say maybe a thirty-eight. Thirty-eight, thirty-five, that's about where I was. So yeah, I'm right there in the pocket with you. Yeah. Um would not watch again unless I was like stage four cancer and I could not change the channel. <laughs> it had a lot of potential. It just didn't get there. We'll talk about it. We'll get into it. Um, quick note, I guess starting off, just because this is kind of what you have to do. Um when you move away from Nashville, Tennessee, and then move up to the mountains in Montana, and then you're home city gets leveled by a, a massive fucking tornado uh we love you guys and uh been thinking about you been thinking about you and had a bit of a mini meltdown last night just watching all the pictures of all the places and stuff so stay strong out there team but i'm not gonna linger we can talk about it more you know on friday's episode if need be is, yeah. the, is the mood flattened now yeah good all right <laughs> I meant to do that before the IMDb score, and I was like, ah, fuck it. So we got a 5.2 IMDb, 43.31 over on Rotten Tomatoes. This was produced by Screen Gems and Unbroken Pictures. This was a broken film, so that is ironic. 
uh, could not find the budget to save my life. I found like three or four different numbers, but I did discover a hilarious fact about the gross. Would you like to know the hilarious fact? Sure. Typically, when you do a gross, it's like made $5.1 million or, you know, made $1.7 million or whatever the thing is. They went very specific. This film made $544,674. They counted every dollar. Like, they did not round at all. They didn't say six seventy-five. dollars <laughs> Nobody could give them an extra dollar. The guy at the production company didn't have, you know, an extra bill he could throw into the measure just to balance out the number. 544674 That was the worldwide accumulative gross. Whoa. I wonder what it's they spent on it. good. Well, I think that's why I couldn't find the budget. Because they probably didn't earn it back. Yeah, because Screen Gems, it, I think it was Screen Gems, had a couple um, where like they were assistant production companies for big movies. Um, like the remake of The Grudge, I think, was theirs. A 2020 remake, I guess it's coming out. If it hadn't already come out, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to put a stop to that. That's uh, going to bug me. Max is fucking with shit. All right. why, why bother trying to catch a rhythm? <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Got the cats trying to destroy everything. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're early production companies as far as I could tell. Nothing, you know, massive that was solely theirs. They were kind of parts of big projects, but that's probably it. They were like, well, we... We we spent two hundred and fifty thousand, so we doubled down, made our money back. Um, but this was written by Mike Scannell or Scannell, and <coughs> sorry, this was written by Mike Scannell, and it was directed by Quinn Lasher. I couldn't find anything on either one of those guys either, so I don't have any fun factoids to to throw down. And the actress that I thought I recognized, I couldn't find anything that I knew her from either. No, so I was like, oh. She's just got a face. <laughs> I found one. Um, but we'll do that here in a minute. Do you want to do characters or plot? I can never remember which one comes first. Uh, characters. Characters first. Um, Laura, the mother in this situation, is played by Yvonne Stravaski, who you may know out there in the world as Hannah McKay from Dexter. Dexter's psychotic girlfriend in one of the later seasons. Awesome character in that movie. We'll get to it. Uh, and then the older sister in this film is Kayla. She's played by Anna Pianowski. <laughs> P-N-I-O-W-S-K-Y. Pianowski. I have no idea. Pew. And then her younger sister is played by her actual younger sister, Abigail Pianowski. <laughs> that character's name is Maddie. Yeah. And then uh, the killer, who goes unnamed, I think they call him John at one point, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not 100% sure, yeah. um, was played by Ryan McDonald. Sean, the husband who's in the film for plot purposes, uh, is played by Justin Brewing. And Owen, the unruly neighbor, is played by Julian Bailey, or Julian Bailey. I'm <laughs> not going to guess his, you know, parents' races. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's a Julian or a Julian. You know, <laughs> give them both of them. Have you ever met a Julian? Yeah, they're Hispanic people. That's how they pronounce Julian. Julian. Hmm. I think. <laughs> I failed Spanish class pretty frequently for years. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Plot. Plot, plot, plot. 
Um, so basically, Laura and her two kids go out 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 <laughs> out ahead of their husband Sean to their uh, annual trip at their lake house. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> Sean's gonna meet them later that night, and. They start having weird instances occur to them, like the girls follow this weird trail out into the woods and discover this tea party that's mm-hmm. waiting for them. And one of the girls eats a cupcake, which unfortunately turns out to be poisoned. Yeah, and yeah. as the... most woods cupcakes tend to be. <laughs> and the mom discovers, you know, that they plucked these cupcakes out of the woods, and one of them ate one of them, and she's freaking out. Yeah. And then. Uh, this stranger starts showing up and harassing them, like just kind of taunting them initially. And then Sean finally shows up and ends up dead. Dead, dead. And it's basically mom and her daughters trapped in this house trying to figure out how to get away from John until um, Owen also shows up and ends up dead. And then <laughs> mom eats an axe and, you know, shit gets crazy. Yeah, it's it, it's a standard slasher film. You know, take the terrified babysitter character, put them in an isolated situation, try to kill that character. Fail for an hour and a half, ultimately fail. And then, for reasons unknown, don't die at the <laughs> end. It's like Michael Myers, but not as cool. <laughs> um, I couldn't find any fun trivia or anything on this one, unfortunately. There wasn't a lot to be found about this movie. Um, none of the actors were in anything that I had seen them in. Like, mm-hmm. I think Sean had done really minor roles in several kind of bigger things, but it was mostly, like, extra work. Yeah, one stuff. of these guys was in Grey's Anatomy for, like, a season. Yeah. yeah, so, unfortunately, no fun facts about this movie. But I tried to compensate by coming up with 15 goods. God damn right. Because <laughs> we're coming at this with the positive <clears throat> energy. The new, revamped, two-star Tuesday. I'm fucking ready for it. What's your first good? Um, probably hands down, my favorite thing about this film was the whole, the weird string series tied into the trees that led to the little tea party set. Um, that was probably the neatest thing in the whole film, in my opinion. I really liked that. Uh, like if this is legit a lake house that they've been going to every single year Mm -hmm. and they've never had any creepy instances happen before that these people would feel comfortable in this, you know, setting. So I, I find it believable that, that young, curious children would follow a weird series of strings out into the woods yeah. and then be amazed by this almost like Alice in Wonderland-esque tea party set up mm-hmm. for them. And it's believable that a kid would eat a cupcake left in the woods because <laughs> a kid wouldn't yeah. have, you know, the presence of mind to be like, oh, this is probably yeah. dangerous. Might be thinking, hey, mom set up this really cool thing for us. You know? Yeah, and um, even whenever... The dad shows up later and there's like um the string on the gate and the little sign that says follow me like he might you know legit think oh my kids are just yeah. you know being silly my wife's to... doing the weirdest sex game we've ever played <laughs> yeah like the kids are trying to play a game so like that little setup i was like okay like i could buy that that's a clever way of tricking these people into yeah. kind of falling into this trap so that was probably my favorite thing. I, I really enjoyed the whole little tea party setup. It was cool. It was imaginative. Yeah, very Alice in Wonderland, which happened, you know, twice in a row now. We've had an Alice in Wonderland-esque Moment, situation. Yeah. That was also my top one. <laughs> <laughs> Almost stole it verbatim. 
I think you read my notes and then I you do. just write down all the I stuff do. I have I so you get more air time. <laughs> um, should I go again? Yeah, you, you got 15, I have five, um, and you killed one. <laughs> which, the, I forgot to mention that, the whole hello, goodbye notes in the cupcakes, I thought that was kind of neat yeah. too, that she has like the little note in her mouth from where it was inside the cupcake, and then the other cupcake says goodbye, and that seems a little more sinister, and a it's got the weird ominous. green goo in it, yeah. so that was a pretty cool little trick, I liked that. Um, <clears throat> the weird doll family that's sitting at the tea party when dad finds it mm -hmm. i thought was pretty cool too it was kind of creepy i was like oh there's like a little doll for all of them yeah. so that was kind of neat um definitely a different concept not something i've seen before so very especially with how the film you know winds up with what the killer is trying to do by like turning these dolls into real people by mm. like hacking off parts of their body and replacing the mannequin's arm with you know a real arm Adds a really ominous factor to it. Yeah, so that whole, which I mean, those are kind of related, that whole little setup I thought was pretty cool. Um, this is one we've talked about on previous shows before, the eliminating, like, being able to get to help. So they... Took another one <laughs> off my list. Have her leave her cell phone in her yep. car, which I... I don't believe that she wouldn't have gone and gotten it after acknowledging to her husband, sorry, I've missed the calls. You've been, you know, mm -hmm. trying to reach me. I left it in the car and then just not go get it. Yeah. So that's a little meh, but they eliminated her cell phone by her leaving it in the car. The children are too young for them to have cell phones. And then um, the, the landline line gets cut. So yeah, like... The vehicle gets immediately disabled. Yeah, that was my... Did we drop out? Or am I disconnected? I think you disconnected. We almost had a rhythm. Oh, okay, there we go. Sorry, uh, I couldn't hear it in my headphones anymore. I was like, what's happening? I got no got no snare in my headphones. No, you sounded so far away. They successfully eliminated the vehicle. Like that's that was on my on my list here was that they keep the family in one location in a very believable way. It's yeah. dark, you know he's outside in the woods. You kill the cell phone, kill the landline, kill the vehicle. And Owen now, mentions yeah. there's no other families living in the area. So, yeah, yeah I, I do like that. Without being this whole weird, oh, we've gone up into the middle of nowhere and there's no reception. We've managed to kill off all connection to the outside world. And mom has two small children, so she can't believably like make a run for it. Yeah, the kids and leave free. them in the house. Yeah. yeah. So you have like very effectively taken what should have been a safe setting and made it feel super cut off. Mm -hmm. So props to them for that because we've talked about that before, like believably isolating your characters. Yeah, it's a huge thing in the world that we live in when you're surrounded by technology. If you're trying to isolate your character, you can't do it like you could in the old 80s uh, slasher films where it's like, oh, landline's dead. Now you're fucked. You know, because everybody's got a cell phone or a tablet or a laptop, you know. We're all living on top of each other in a lot of the country, so it's not as isolated just in your own house as it used to be. You can yeah. reach out and touch anybody at any time, so it's very important to effectively destroy those in a creative fashion, which I've never seen the wheels come off of a car when they try to back out of the driveway, like was what happened here. It happened way too quickly. Yeah. It looked really CGI, it, yeah, it but it was effective. Super CGI, but it was a neat way of handling it, and it made it where they couldn't get far enough down the road that you know they couldn't quickly turn around and go back to the house. Yeah. They literally didn't even get out of the driveway, and it was just like, well, fuck, go back into the house. Yeah, 
So, yeah, it was a very neat series of cutting off their connection to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So, I appreciated that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do one since I keep stealing yours? Um, I liked how Sean was lured into the woods, as you mentioned earlier, with the, um, the red string. But what I really liked about that whole situation was that the killer is using a tape recorder in the woods to record what Sean's saying, and then later dangles that in front of the front door to also trap Laura. So, like, by creating one trap, he's created two, and he damn near gets Laura with the tape recorder situation. Yeah, and I I like, too, that he stole her cell phone and then put her cell phone at the tea uh, party little setup with the dolls. And so you kind of see the shadowy figure lit up by the phone. So it tricks him into coming closer and thinking like, oh, that's my wife sitting there, Mm -hmm. but why isn't she answering me, you know? Um, Which is the same reaction that she has when it's outside of the door later. Yeah, and I... They were meant to be. What a romantic couple. (laughs) And I I like, too, that um, even before he, like, sees, you know, the tea party and like the figure kind of lit up by the phone that he hears her phone ringing in the woods because he like stops short very quickly like a rational person would and is like i don't know that i want to follow this into the dark woods at night like what's going on here and then when he hears her phone ringing out in the woods he's like okay well she's out here somewhere so um it does kind of i feel like incentivize him into a situation most people wouldn't go into like mm-hmm. most people would be like no like i'm gonna go up to the house yeah. fuck that she probably mm. got eaten by coyotes i'll check it in the morning <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh several creative little traps set that are like very unique and i feel like well thought out yeah so meticulous i like too that um he kind of turns what should have been a feeling of comfort for the family against them too so whenever the mom and the children go out later he literally uses the eggs that she asked the husband to Mm -hmm. get as a weapon and starts like pelting them with eggs and like just a reminder your husband's fucking dead yeah and like you know (coughs) egging a house or you know egging a car or a person or whatever is like juvenile yeah yeah it's a very juvenile like it doesn't seem like a very harmful prank but yeah like the fact that it's the dead husband's eggs and she's already (laughs) found out that the husband is dead at this point is kind of like insult to injury it's like your husband's dead and now i'm gonna like terrorize you with the eggs you asked him to buy so um yeah again like i I wish the connections had been more meaningful so i would have cared more about them about anybody but we'll get to it (laughs) But there were a lot of really cool moments where it was like, oh, like, this is a legit, like, psycho taunting you and kind of you're mm-hmm. the mouse and he's the cat and playing with you. And he's been thinking about this yeah. for years. Yeah. <laughs> you're fucked because you didn't think he existed and he's just been doing nothing but watching you. Mm-hmm. And even in, um, like, the instances where he keeps repositioning where that girl's creepy little doll is at yeah. and then he puts the drawings that he does of all of them dead in the storybook that they've been reading. Like, he just, like, kind of comes in for a moment. He's like, I'm going to tweak this little mm-hmm. thing just to freak you out, and then I'm going to go back outside. Yeah. So. It's insinuates, yeah, every time they run out, he's running in. So he's like, yeah, I just need you to get out of the house so I can fuck with you a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and the weird, creepy laugh, too. There's, like, this... I, 
I really wish we'll get into that in the bads that they had developed the bad guy more because there is yeah. this really sinister, like fucked up. I just want to watch you suffer for a little bit, mm-hmm. like back and forth there, and like it is a really kind of creepy bad guy until you actually like kind of see him. <laughs> yeah, until you think about it because he he doesn't. We'll get to it. <laughs> we get to all the problems. Uh I am blowing through mine. <laughs> well, I'm down to two, so go for it. <laughs> there were a couple of... I don't really show much of anything, but there were a couple of cool little like death scenes. Um, you see Owen getting axed in the face directly on camera, and that was oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Smash his shit <laughs> wide the fuck open. And the fact that you see Sean's body without eyes is like a little cheesy, but also it was kind of neat. Like You kind of expected that, but at the same time... It looked neat. It didn't mm-hmm. look bad. And um, seeing the doll with his eyes on it and his arm on it was kind of neat, too. It's like, oh, that's a little creepy. Yeah. Um, Very game. Yeah, another thing, which we'll get into that, I guess, when we get into the bads. But um, another thing that I wish they would have developed more, the... Uh, like, I read the Wikipedia page, and they mentioned... Because it's so quick and in passing and in the movie that you're still in the goods i know but i'm just saying like it's so quick and in passing in the movie that the kid went missing and john is the kid and Jax is losing his shit over here um and like there's so much potential there for him recreating the weird dolls out of human body parts to be him trying to recreate having a family so but he apparently left his yeah, so I... We'll get to it. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I've got lots of shit to say about the, you know, the motives of the killer. Um, the the story opening, like her reading the story. That was beautiful. I meant yeah. to see if that was a real thing or not. Oh, or yeah, if it totally was just didn't. made up, but I, I forgot completely. Totally didn't think to look that up there. Yeah, the, the storybook that they're reading is a really cool little story. It's a very obvious child's yeah. rhyme. Like, you know what the answer to the story is, but the drawings are really cool and like the story Crow being read and all yeah. That. yeah and the story being read like crows when they get together what's that called Kristen? murder oh my god <laughs> poetic <laughs> when the story's like being narrated at the beginning it's a really cool opening sequence so um i don't, I don't know if that book is real or if that was made up for this if movie. it's real i want <clears throat> it on my bookshelf yeah no for real i would like a copy too um <laughs> But if it was made up for this movie, it was a really neat little series of drawings and a really mm-hmm. neat little storybook. So that was, um, I liked that they, in general, just kind of played with like like things that can be safe and also scary mm-hmm. to children at the same time. Like this story is like a childhood bedtime story that they read, but it's also a little sinister. Well, it's equivalent to, it's not equivalent <clears throat> to, it's the same kind of trick that gets played in you know the nightmare on elm street movies with mm-hmm. the, the nursery run which they they literally do that in this you. one i can't remember what the song is that they sing but there's a very popular nursery song that they sung in this one too i can't remember and uh they blast one of the songs in the dad's car and it lures the children that's right out. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah and that whole sequence again was kind of cool because it's like it's a thing that should be comforting to a child but it's very sinister in that moment so like, I like that they kind of played with that. These things mm-hmm. that are supposed to make you feel safe that are actually kind of dangerous. Um, 
I, I really liked at the tail end when the kids had to fight back yeah. and <laughs> the older sister who has honestly kind of been the coward the whole movie yeah. is finally like, you Fuck know what? you, dude! Yeah, she's like, you know what? We gotta take care of ourselves now and lets the little girl hold the knife and like offers to go first so if something that bad happens, really it sweet. happens to her. Yeah, I really yeah. liked that. And even when they're under the bed and the killer has definitely caught them she's like holding her sister tight mm-hmm. like covering her mouth and then starts screaming at the bad guy to go away and leave them alone like she's finally learned something from her mom yeah so and speaking of mom mom's final fight with the axe oh, can uh, we get to that in just a second yeah. i want to stay in the bedroom scene because mm-hmm. that's on my list i loved how calm that was how like father to child that felt where he's just sitting there and he's explaining this whole situation and a very calm demeanor he went a little bane with i am the darkness and then he flipped mm-hmm. the fucking thing over but we'll get to that um, <laughs> just sitting down him, on the bed. Yeah, him sitting and talking what would have made that scene for me is if he would have calmly stood back up and walked out of the room like i know where you are now let's play a quick game of hide and seek mm-hmm. where in the house am i yeah would have been the fucking topper that last like 10 seconds of that scene is a nightmare, but everything before that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I have mixed feelings about it because I think it ended up being kind of cheesy, but it was kind of neat at the same time, I guess, for like setting a sense of unease. Like whenever he sets the jar down, like clearly in their field of view, like yeah. I thought it was a drink at first. I had no idea what it was. And then it ends up being chloroform, which mm-hmm. is kind of cheesy. Like him chloroforming the children was kind of cheesy. Like it could have been scary. It could have been done in a much more yeah. scary way. We'll get way. to it. He could have just killed but, him. But, but like, <laughs> like it, it was kind of neat him like setting this jar down. And mm-hmm. like, I was just initially like, oh, that's a drink. And he's like literally setting the thing down that he's going to use to take them out in their field of view. Yeah. Like while he's talking to him. And then he picks it back up and he's like, okay, play time's Here we over. go. <laughs> so it had potential there. They, they didn't quite catch that one, but. I really liked that scene. Yeah, I, I really liked the sitting down on the bed, talking to them, knowing they were under the bed. Mm-hmm. Like, that was cool. Um, mom fighting back, though. Mom's final big moment where she picks up the axe, and she's, like, basically only got one good arm to swing with, and she's swinging away. Yeah, she's going fucking ham. <laughs> Loved that. That's also on my list. It's my final good, so we're going to burn you through for the remainder of the goods. Um was I like that they didn't turn her into like the dumb babysitter cliche that women tend to, or not tend to, that's kind of a lie. They tend to in bad horror films, in good horror films, uh, the women are the driving characters. You know, you think about Halloween, she's fighting back. You think about Jason Voorhees, all the men are bitches. She's fighting back. Think about Friday the 13th, or not Friday, fuck, Nightmare on Elm Street. The girl's the one that's fighting back. Nancy! <laughs> you know? uh, so in the classics, it's always the women. The last house on the left. Female. You know, It really is. For all the shit that horror gets, uh, the most feminist of the genres. <laughs> We're not trying to play you guys off like you're, you know, you're dumb, we have to chase you around. And, There's you know, still like a, a lot rom-com. of dumb bimbos. There are a lot too. of dumb bimbos. But in the <laughs> classics in the horror genre, they're all strong female characters. And they wrote a very strong female lead. She's constantly arming herself. She's constantly looking for a way out. She's not, like, 
curled up in the corner. She's not good at it. She's not good at it at all, but she she tries. God I bless her. I feel <laughs> like if there had been more time to kind of grow with these characters, that would have been more obvious. Like, it's kind of weirdly like the charm at the end of it that she's not good at it. She yeah. keeps like miserably failing at every attempt, but she's at least like trying to think through these problems. And at the tail end, when she no longer has her children right in front of her and she's like, I've got to out best this guy yeah. and get back to my children. She literally turns his trick against him and takes all the toys that the dad bought for the children and sets them as traps and turns the music box mm-hmm. on to lure him over. So like, that's a really cool moment where she's like, oh, I can play dirty too. Mm-hmm. Like, let's play. And then just starts like yeah. hacking at him with the axe. <laughs> <laughs> so I really liked that little, uh, bed at the ending where she's like oh I'm gonna here's a little bear well like my big fear was that like the husband was gonna come back and be the white knight and fucking save his wife oh, and children yeah <laughs> well, still it didn't matter to me but <laughs> you know um that somebody was gonna show up a cop at the last minute you know and they didn't rely on that she had to rely on herself and I could always appreciate a strong female in that role you know I, I don't like it when the dude is the savior of the day in a horror film like it's too obvious it's like yeah because if there was another six foot two guy there with an axe he would fuck up that other dude (laughs) (laughs) it's a kind of a balanced fight i think that's the neat thing about which that's a little off topic but that's the neat thing about uh last house on the left that the mom and dad kind of tag team it and they're like yeah yeah, go hard in the paint on that fucking on krug yeah it's uh I mean, I guess technically the dad does do the final kill, but uh, yeah, they kind of tag team that together, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, fuck with my family, will you?" Well, no, they they they, they tag team it together because the mom, depending on which one you're talking I'm about, of the, you, remake the remake, where he microwaves the head. Yeah, no, he <laughs> he fucks him up with a chainsaw in the original, if I'm remembering correctly. Definitely remembering correctly because the cop runs in and he's like, "No," and he's like, "Ah, fuck you." Mm-hmm. Um, but also in the original. Uh, the the mom is forced to give a blowjob to one of the killers, and she bites his dick off, and then beats the fuck out of him. <laughs> There's like three killers, and she like bites the dude's dick off in the middle of it, and kills that guy. And then I think she's the one who tackles the female killer into the swimming pool. So like, mom has a higher body count in the original Last House. Um, but yeah, in the remake, dad microwaves that head. <laughs> so creepy um i'm down to two though so um the scene where the mom wakes up because kayla is like standing in the doorway like saying there's something wrong with maddie and it's all like really hazy and she Mm -hmm. almost kind of looks like the shadowy like figure in the doorway is really cool um because it almost kind of looks like there's a stranger coming into her room for a minute there so i like that that you get this like hazy blurred out like kind of a little perspective of like her initially waking waking up, up yeah yeah so that was pretty cool. I did like that. They did have a couple of, you know, neat shots in this movie. Um, Do you have a Kristen's Pretty Shot? I don't. Somehow we're already in March and I've yet to develop the Kristen's Pretty Shot drop. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't a film that I would say was a pretty film. This yeah. was not one that would have definitely... We're, we're almost there, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my final, like, which this can kind of lead into a discussion, I guess, when we're... Um, 
after the bads, like my, my final good is like, I had a moment where Brett and I were watching this and we were talking and kind of had this whole, like, if we were in this situation, what would we have done? Mm -hmm. So in a hypothetical world where we didn't live in a house where Brett had 20 guns, you know, (laughs) um, and Brett Brett was not like a slightly unhinged waiting on somebody to kick the door down at any given yeah. moment kind and of thing. I had had to go ahead of Brett with our two daughters and we yeah. were um, at the lake house and all shit went down and then Brett ended up dead and I was stuck in this situation like how do I get myself out of this situation worst case scenario what choices would I have to make in this yeah. situation like we had kind of a hypothetical back and forth and I, I like that this movie Again, kind of fell flat, but um, it does make you think, like, if this were me and me and my family were in our normal vacation home where we normally feel safe and, like, normally don't have to worry about these things, and then this nightmarish night is kind of sprung on us, like, what would I do? Yeah. How would I get us out of this situation? What would I do if I couldn't get us out of this situation? So it is a movie that makes you think, like, it felt raw and real in that sense mm-hmm. like this could happen and what would you do in that situation so I, I did like that that it doesn't movie that kind of gives you pause and like makes you think real world like what choices would you make yeah so you want to tell them what your choice was i said i'm not i'm not <laughs> i'm a gun owner so in all of my situations it would be well i would have shot that dude a good minute ago because like we're not going to the lake house unless both of us have a gun you ain't going to the lake house without a gun <laughs> and I, i'm not advocating you would have for... had to have left the gun in the car like the cell phone situation <laughs> I'm not advocating for giving up without a fight by any Mm -hmm. means, but yeah, I I don't think I would have found myself in this situation, period, regardless of whether or not I was dating Brett. I wouldn't go to a remote lake house with no protection of any kind. At the very least, my house would have an alarm system that would alert the cops if shit was going down, you know? Um, Or a satellite phone. Yeah, and I I wouldn't have left my cell phone in the car, period, so I wouldn't have found myself in that particular situation. And because I am dating Brett, there would have been a gun in every every room of the entire house. We're going on vacation. (laughs) That's why I brought four pistols and two shotguns. (laughs) So um, I I don't find the particular situation relatable, but I Everybody's a Democrat until you need an (laughs) AR-15 to kill the psychotic shithead outside your lake house. I said that I feel like if I had been in that situation and Brett had been dead and I knew I was not getting out of that house and I was not getting my children out of that house, that I think the more humane out would be because she gets Benadryl for the daughter who's sick to overdose the children, put the children to bed, let the children go to sleep and not let someone who is psychotic and... Mm -hmm you know, sinister enough to gouge the eyes out of your husband, do that to your children while they're still sure. alive. Yeah. So, I mean, he could... Take them out. It's that classic <clears throat> speed piece of trivia. What do you do? You shoot the hostage. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I... I mean, there's still, yeah, if you die, he can do whatever he wants to the bodies or whatever, but I, I, I wouldn't want someone who's that evil touching my children while they're alive. Yeah. So it, it does kind of beg that question. If you have no way out what choice do you make and i don't give up my children period and i really wish they would have exploited that a bit more yeah given her like a moment of looking at the kids and looking at the benadryl yeah because i i would not have 
under any circumstances let him touch my child. There's not a shot in the house. <laughs> uh, my other solution was back yourself into that closet and just start sticking yeah. that dude when he comes to that closet door. Pull yeah. that switch like... Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween where she sticks the fucking clothes hanger in Michael's eye. Just hang out back there and swing for the fences, my dear. (laughs) Worst case scenario, he jacks you up. But go out, you know. (laughs) Leave a lot of blood at the crime scene. But that's the end of my goods. And we're into the bads. (laughs) Can I do my first one first? Yes. This might be the most anticlimactic two-star Tuesday we've ever had. Um, but it made me think, why was it anticlimactic? Why was I frustrated? I think I mentioned the same joke three or four times as we were watching it. I was like, I feel like somebody can't find my clitoris. And <laughs> uh, but all I felt like this was, was us running in and out of the house, which was an issue that Kristen faced when we were working on our recent uh, homework assignments and you know, the one that's in production hell until the end of the year when Christmas rolls back around. Um, but, like, how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with shooting inside of one location? You got one house, it's in the woods, most of the action's on the driveway and in the house. How do you make that feel different enough to keep it compelling? Yeah, and I think, because I wrote that in my bads, too. There was a question. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> getting into my answer. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wrote that into my bads, too, that it felt like a movie that stretches on without doing much. It's a lot of just in yeah. and out, in and out. And, like, I think for me, a huge part of what it is is that there's no development, which this will tick off a couple of my bads. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't leave the house or you don't want to leave the house, like, and you don't want it to be a shorter movie, which that's a solution, not making yeah. the movie as long, so we're not back and forthing so much. Yeah, know but... the limits. If you want to write a novella, write a novella. Don't stretch it into a novel. <laughs> but if you if you don't want to shorten it and you still want it to be as long, like we don't have to spend as much time um, specifically in the action mm-hmm. of what's happening in the house like we could have had time to get to know the mom to get to know the dad to get to know the children so that we cared about what was happening to any of these people to build it yeah yeah to get to know the bad guy like that's my biggest bad like who is john where is his family like what makes him tick yeah what's with the mask yeah like when and why did he go missing why does he only take the eyes in the left arm yeah so like there's which was incidentally the same issue we had with the bye-bye man yeah, and, like, he's been apparently watching this family for years, so why not even introduce that? Like, have a little bit of a time lapse where we yeah. see this family coming to this location a couple of times, and then we move into present yeah. a day. A pretty shot of even younger Kayla carrying baby Maddie in the woods yeah. and running into baby John, you know, yeah, <laughs> or whatever like, it needs to be. Like, why not set up? Instead of just wasting a lot of time trying to terrorize this family just in and out, in and out, in and out. Why this family? Yeah. Why not not Owen's family? (laughs) Yeah, explaining what's going on, what the issue is. Is there some kind of weird obsession with the wife? Because the wife's face is the only one he doesn't scratch out of the photos. Like, instead of trying to just make it all tension and all action, like, take a little time to piece this story together so that when the action happens, I care that the action happens because the family is already being terrorized before 
dad dies and dad is the first death in the movie and he doesn't die until 40 minutes in and at this point the killer has already been terrorizing them and i didn't care that the dad was dead yeah i cared more about the family and the house yeah like you violently execute the father in the first 15 minutes and don't let her know until the 40 minute mark you don't violently execute him at 40 you know and like this movie suffered the worst for the lack of establishing anything about any of these people but most especially the bad guy yeah like i i don't know the first thing about him i forgot that he had gone i forgot his name was john until we started recording this podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i forgot like if they had even mentioned like why he had gone missing or what the issue was and like the wikipedia was like kind of vague too where his family is yeah and they even he ran off as a child or the parents still around you could have introduced those people at you know some point why is the book so significant to him because he seems to have a connection to the story that these children are reading as well where does he keep his teapot (laughs) <laughs> why does he have a tea set in the woods yeah. how did he get so good at wrapping presents if he ran away as a child <laughs> like did he have sisters like where did this whole tea set come from where does the string come from like what's the significance of all of this so yeah i and anytime also, spend on any of it yeah and the note that i wrote down when we were going over your goods is like he mixes motives with product if that that sounds really fucked up unless you read a lot of serial killer stuff but you've got process and product killers you know like somebody who enjoys killing somebody as opposed to you know like a bundy or a game who wants the body you know Mm -hmm. i'm sure bundy enjoyed killing people he killed a shitload of them and seemed to get his rocks off on it but like game dug up bodies for the most part so that he could make soup bowls and (laughs) um he didn't enjoy the process of killing when he did kill he was bullet to the back of the head (coughs) instantaneously dead i just want the corpse as opposed to like a john wayne gacy torture murder type situation this killer for reasons unknown combines those two methods to where he seems to get a shitload of his jollies off in the process of the murders but his ultimate goal is to have some mannequins in the woods so where he flips over the bed chloroforms the girls he could have just killed them and (laughs) and had his body parts like you've 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 fucked up the whole Everything we know about serial murder, you know, you've kind of ruined. interesting, too, that it's specifically, which I guess maybe, you know, you could argue that the male characters are potentially physically stronger and could overpower him, but it's interesting that the male... He goes after women and children. Well, the male characters are the only ones he outright kills immediately. Like, Mm -hmm. he immediately axes the dad, immediately axes Owen, but then he ties up the mother and doesn't hurt the mother at all. Until the children find her in the trunk. Yeah. And that's the first time he does any, like, actual harm to her. And then he chloroforms the children and goes to chop off the girl's arm while she's still alive. Yeah, so... could have just killed both of them. And yeah. And would have had the whole... Like, like he, the, he doesn't make sense. Like, if he had a little sister who was killed, you know, in some horrific way, and he had, like, an affinity for women, and he just wanted the bodies... You know, like, that would make sense. If he was afraid of hurting women and didn't feel... But you don't get enough of that development inside the character to to, to tell what he's 
even kind of thinking. Like you have psychopaths in real life that do fucked up shit for no discernible reason. But most of the time we have like, well, maybe he was thinking this. And I have no idea what our killer's thinking. I don't know why John ran away. Or why he stayed in that yeah. area. Cause... But you know why Leatherface stayed in that fucking town. Like, they meet all the people in the town who are like, yeah, don't go over there and see crazy why grandpa. Jason terrorizes the camp. Yeah, you know why Jason's doing that. You know why Michael's going after his fucking niece. <laughs> or his sister. I can't remember. Sister. It's been a while. It's my favorite horror. But it well, one of my favorites. Last House is by far the favorite. But you know the motives. Yeah. You know, for all the classic slashers, and you don't have that here. You don't have yeah. a backstory. And I, I think, for me, especially the fact that he's trying to rebuild these live mannequins, like, if they had just taken a little time to be like his... Like, his family could have abandoned him there instead of him running yeah. away. Like, his family could have been like, we don't want you, we're leaving, and you have to stay. You know, like, a sense of abandonment not having... A family anymore and mm. being angry and resentful about that so then this family comes and steals his childhood home because he said he grew up in that yeah. home and, and it becomes a cramp a, a cramp a camp crystal lake situation yeah like he's then resentful that this happy family is living in his home where he had broken memories but we don't yeah. talk about his family at all outside of he went missing and the family yeah. isn't around he anymore. supposedly ran away yeah and like at what age like yeah. how long has he been Gone. Living in those woods. Is the killer the one who took John in the first place, or is the killer John? Do yeah. we know that for a fact? Because the IMDb He's... page lists him as the killer. He says in the movie that he is John, and he grew up there, but I mean... No, I missed no... that part, too. Yeah, when there, he's, like, there was a lot of this where <laughs> we were rambling over the top well, of it. Oh, well, yeah, there's... I, and honestly, that's my biggest problem with the movie, is that there's no development of anyone at yeah. all. So... Like, that would have, for me, fixed it. <laughs> like, I would have been okay with, you know, them never quite successfully getting out of the house, even. Yeah. If I had just known anything about any of the characters. And it, like, kills me, too, because the coolest element is, like, this story that the little girls have been reading. And it kind of does this whole, like, weird implication that John is the shadow in the night, yeah. you know? And then, I am the darkness. But then he goes and he throws, yeah, with that cheesy line, like he's the, the answer isn't, you know, a shadow. The answer is I am the darkness or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And it's like this cheesy, like, destruction of the story that they've implanted through the whole movie. And, and then it just in one instant throws it away. Like, no, nope, the story doesn't mean anything. Fear me. Yeah. And it's like, it could have been, you know, I'm the thing in the dark. Or, I, you know, I'm the shadow or whatever. I don't know. Like, it, or not... Had not that, saying anything yeah. at all and just flipping the fucking bed over yeah, and going to work. Yeah, just left it as a metaphor that he was the terror in the night because, as I think we both predicted, when sunrise comes is when they finally overcome him. Yeah. So, I mean, I know shadows exist in daylight and that's the whole point <laughs> of the story is that it still exists in the daylight, but that when it's not just all night and all shadow and all dark is when they finally defeat him, so... It was just this pretty metaphor, and then he acknowledges it and kind of crushes the beauty yeah. of it. It's like a, a shit show retelling of the Jason Voorhees story. It's why he keeps getting brought up, if you guys are wondering at home, why I keep bringing up Friday the 13th. He's basically Voorhees, without any of the origin, 
double the tropes. Like, this thing is reliant as hell on these classic slasher horror tropes to the point where they miss all the important stuff and they just pushed a lot of filler. How do you avoid that, do you think? Like, you, you, you want to tell a classic, like, 70s-style horror. Uh, but, like... I mean, I, I, They did such a good job. If they would have just developed... Yeah, and I, I think, for me, that's honestly the biggest problem. Like, the just lack of development of the people. Like, I, I think they were focused so much on, like, trying to build tension and action yeah. and stuff like that that you kind of get these cliche, oh, he reaches through the window and drags her out yeah. the door, you know. Fucking Freddy style. Yeah, or, like, you know, he get, you turn around and he's not there, like at the end of the first yeah. Halloween or, you know, fucking Jason gets me. blown up with a bazooka. No, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm moving here with a purpose. <laughs> uh, at what point did he become immoral, immortal? Yeah, uh, took an axe to the spine. He took that. an axe to the spine Got fucked up. She should have double tapped him. Should have ran him over with that car. But, you know, as we said, she's survival driven, not murder driven. Um, but yeah, that cheesy. Looks back and it's like, oh my God, he survived a paralyzing fucking axe wound. Yeah, that bugged me so much because I think we both knew it was going to happen. It was like, yep, he's, his he's not going to be there. He's going to yeah. be in the woods for what? You to come back next year? You ain't coming back next year. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck to tell you. Family. <laughs> The next family that moves into the lake house where all the murders fucking happen? No. I would have burned that house down. Yeah. No. You got two bodies on the front lawn. <laughs> Which is what I thought he was going to do for a minute there when he sets the chloroform down and he stuffs I thought it was an accelerant. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to burn the house down mm-hmm. with the kids in it. And I was like, oh God, it's about to get dark. Nope. Missed opportunity. I mean, I wouldn't have burned the kids alive. I definitely would have had someone save them. But. <laughs> like in real world or if you were him? No, if I was in the him, movie. I would have just uh, kept shooting after I blew out the back window. That would have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like. I, I think that would have been more scary. Him burning the house with them in it. Yeah. But um, no, I think mom still should have like come save the day. That was still pretty cool. But yeah, have mom run into the burning <coughs> house, run out with the kids through the back, and you know. Yeah. <sighs> How many more you got, love? Only one. I'm down to my last one as well. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Is yours discussion based? Uh, no, it's more frustration based. Mine too. <laughs> I'll go first because I usually close these yeah. out. I feel like, um, <laughs> I I know, in a scary situation, you're kind of just on autopilot. I think we're to... hitting on the same exact point <laughs> just based off that. Okay. <laughs> I know in a scary situation you're just on autopilot trying to just survive, yeah. but. Throughout the entire movie, I kept screaming at the screen, turn the fucking lights off, turn the fucking <laughs> flashlight off, stop yelling, stop making so much noise, like you're giving yeah. away your location. Like Yours was separate, but the same. Oh, yeah. like so irritating yeah. the whole movie. Like, let's turn all the lights on in all the rooms that Kill we're in. Let's lights. shine a flashlight. Can we at least close the blinds? Can we do that? Yeah. yeah. Like, at no, like, be quiet, turn the lights off. Get a weapon. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's plenty of ambient light. <laughs> like, I can understand having a flashlight handy. You do not turn that flashlight on until you're blinding his eyeballs, stabbing him in the face. <laughs> yeah, fucking go ham. Like, just like, every, like, they'd go outside of the house with the flashlight on. It's like, well, he can see you. Yeah. 
They'd he knows look. exactly where you are. He's yeah. watching you right now. They'd go into the bedroom, turn the light on in the bedroom. Well, he can see you there. Your <laughs> eyes will adjust to the dark. Turn the fucking light off. Yeah, turn the lights off. Arm the kids. <laughs> Everybody gets a knife. I don't care if she's three. Give her a fucking a little paring knife and <laughs> give her something to stick this dickhead with. <sighs> but no, my my I, where I thought you were going with it is. I get that there's adrenaline in a situation, as you said at the beginning of the opening of your last bed. Uh, and I get that women, um, especially when their children are in danger, uh, overcome massive amounts of pain to accomplish great feats. But none of those women ever ate an axe to the liver and then survived for fucking three more hours <laughs> to fight off a six foot four psychopath. This lady took an axe to the fucking liver and then was in no rush to get to the hospital. My dad died of <laughs> liver disease. He was out like that. It was just a problem. When that thing went, he was gone gone. It was like this did she ate an axe? <laughs> yeah, that was kinda of Make like- he pull. He like leaves the accident and then goes back later and pulls it out of her. I think. Yeah, which would have caused her to bleed out faster. <laughs> and she make still your, doesn't get up or do anything yeah. until later on. No, you need to make your <clears throat> your your injuries, you know, believable. You know, like if fucking like could have axed her in the thigh or something. Yeah, could have hit her in the thigh. Could have hit her, you know, in the other side of her body, like opposite the liver. It could have hit her in the left, you know, rib cage. <laughs> that would have been fine. But no, they axe her directly in the liver. They're like, all right, all those toxins are probably pouring into your blood that's not pouring out of your body into the back of his trunk, but uh, you're fucked. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty cheesy. You need believable injuries, survivable injuries. Think, I can't remember what saw it is right now, but the dude who catches the meat hooks in the back that miss the arteries on purpose but they make everything he does really fucking hard you know you're like he's not going to die he's not going to bleed out in the next 30 minutes you catch a bullet to your liver you're fucked fucked unless you get somewhere fast <laughs> yeah focus in on believable injuries <clears throat> if it it wasn't a movie that I'm mad mad that it <coughs> tanked. Um, it had a lot of cool moments. It wasn't one of those where I'm like, you almost yeah. had it. It's like, oh man, like spend some time on that one. <laughs> so it, no, it, it felt like a. I want to read the draft before the draft that got approved. Like I want to see what was intended by Mike Scannell. Um, if there was ever an origin, and it got cut. You know, because when you're dealing with all these multiple production companies, you're dealing with draft after draft. One page gets mm-hmm. killed, and then the next thing you know, 50 pages I, are dead. I can't see how there could have not been. Like, I don't see how anybody could have initially thought, we'll just have a random bad guy. Yeah, because it feels like a rough draft. It feels like you got the shit cut out of it until it was just nothing but the bare bones. People like slasher films, you know? <laughs> but you don't even, like, literally the only, like death you see on screen is Owen, so it doesn't even really follow, like, the slasher either, because you don't see any of the slashings. Yeah, and you don't care about any of the characters. There's not enough build to any of it. I don't know. This was our attempt at a positive two-star Tuesday. (laughs) I feel like we did pretty good. I feel, you know, 
self-critique. I, I will give the kid actor credit, though. That is a brave little girl, which I'm assuming it was super blunt and super safe, that let another actor put a knife up to her eyeball. That, that <laughs> I was pretty sick. Because <laughs> he put that knife up to her eye to measure it, and uh, she did not flinch. Yeah. So... I'm sure it was... Kristen wouldn't let her boyfriend close her <laughs> eyelids. I'm sure it was dull. I'm sure it was made of rubber. I'm sure it was safe. But a uh, brave little kid. So I I got to give him credit for that. Hell yeah to the Pinoskis. <laughs> All right. You ready to get out of here? Go yeah. eat some sketty. Yeah. I love you. I love you. You can go watch our new short film. And feel free. Record your own podcast. Two star the shit out of our film, which is called... Happy birthday. Which you can find on youtube.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Or you can go on over to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington, see all the stuff Kristen's been up to, and watch The Dolls, which you can also find at our website at thenightmarebox.blog. And once you're done with that, tweet us your twat. Tell us what you think about The Dolls over at... At nightmareboxpro. Uh, or swipe on over there to the Instagram and enjoy, join us in... Um, the next homework assignment, the luck of the Irish. Um, send us pictures, the gear you're using, the set you're thinking about, and all that other fun stuff over at... At Nightmare Box Productions. We can twiddle on down to the Facebook. Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. And if all of those sound too complicated, because all of those apps don't exist on your phone already, you can sit down at your typewriter and you can write us an email at... <laughs> on your typewriter yeah, uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail <laughs> but good luck figuring that out <laughs> alright I'm gonna go eat some spaghetti okay how's that sound sounds tasty you love me I do love you I love you more I love you most I love you more than that nah tits look good I'm good <laughs> <laughs> I can't see my I have a sweater on. <laughs> love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Friday. Friday of Friday.